Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A new year, a new you, and taking up our cross. I don't know if you're the kind of person who makes New Year's resolutions. If not, I'm not. You can just think about that that ideal you that we all carry around inside of ourselves. That person that we believe we can be. The person that we want to be, that we hope we can be. The kind of people that that person interacts with. The kind of house they live in. The world they live in. How they eat. All those things we carry around inside of ourselves. Comparing every single day that person to what we perceive our reality to be. In the new you, or in that ideal you, is the cross a defining characteristic? Is that new you saying, I just can't wait to get that thing on my back? The story that Mark trods throughout his gospel is very much one of him revealing that the disciples also did not view this dream that Jesus was building for them. They did not see a cross there. And Mark tracks the development of the disciples. And over and over and over again, the bell tolls. And they did not understand. And they did not understand. And still they did not understand. And because of this lack of understanding, Jesus in Mark's gospel is also presented very much as a teacher. Someone who corrects the lack of understanding, fills it in or corrects the misunderstanding. Over and over it says, and he began to teach. And he called them to himself and began to teach. And when he was with his disciples, he opened all things up to them. This happens over and over and over. And over and over we're confronted with the disciples' lack of understanding. And right here in Mark chapter 8 is where it all comes to a head. This is the big transition point. This is the center of the gospel. And it's where the biggest misunderstanding and the biggest correction takes place. I'm going to back up a couple verses from where Pastor read. Jesus and his disciples went down to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them, not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed 
and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, after many, many days of watching demons being cast out, dead raised to life, sick being healed, he had come to this conclusion that, well, this has got to be it. This has got to be the end. The Christ. He has to be the Christ. And so he makes this confession. You are the Christ. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody. And Mark maybe leaves a piece of ambiguity there for us to think about. We don't hear why Jesus tells him to keep quiet. But based on what follows, it seems as though Jesus did not want him telling anybody because his idea about Christ was all twisted up. Peter did not have a clear picture of who Christ was and what he was going to do. And as a result, Peter could not have a clear picture of what he was to do, what his life was supposed to look like. Because up till that time and, and on past this, we hear the disciples arguing about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to sit on his right hand and his left hand in the kingdom. And so Jesus preaches his suffering. Yes, I am everything you think I am, but you're missing this part. And this part is not just for me, but if you want to follow me, it will be for you as well. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You try to put yourself in the position of these first century disciples. For us, the cross is something we hang on buildings or around our necks, put on clothing. But for Jesus to mention a cross and what it was going to cost to follow him, most likely would have had a very visceral reaction. No doubt those very disciples had walked the dusty roads, past those hung in shame alongside the road, groaning and dripping, broken and gasping. No doubt they had walked along the road and seen those stumbling beneath the weight of their cross, meeting their eyes and both of them knowing that end. There was no escaping that. 
And this is the first time Jesus mentions his suffering. They didn't know that he was going to die on a cross. But Jesus reveals in two directions, his end and their end. And if they are going to continue on this path behind him, it is not going to be one full of free meals and glory. It's sure death. So Jesus calls them to it. Teaches them first about himself. The necessity of his cross. And then what it will look like to follow him. As this is the first glimpse that Jesus gives his disciples. And as he's correcting their perspective. There's another correction which he graciously makes. He says, this cross, I must bear it and so must you. But right after he reveals his suffering, did you hear how it ended? And he must be killed and after three days rise again. And then Jesus teaches that if you want to save your life, you must lose it. And then you know what comes immediately after this in Mark's gospel? The transfiguration. I don't think it's a coincidence. Jesus, right here, gives us a nutshell. His life in a nutshell. Our lives in a nutshell. See, so often we get it backwards, just like Peter and the disciples did. The things that we long for in this life, the things that we look for, the plans we try to make, all those things deep in our hearts are the desire for something we know we cannot attain in this life. To be more fit, to have a little bit more money, to live a healthier life. These things really are our deepest groanings for value. To be loved by other people. These are things that we desperately feel we need satisfied in this life. And we look for some way to get them satisfied in our jobs, in our relationships, in whatever it is. We want what Jesus has promised after, now. The disciples saw everything that Jesus was doing and they said, well, yeah, now, of course, we're going to have it all. Right now, he's, bringing, he's ushering in the kingdom. And even though we've seen the other side, in our hearts, there's something about our sinful hearts that just wants it now. And when God doesn't give it, 
we try to get it for ourselves. We take up the cross, but we say there's this, well, this part of my life you can't touch. This part, no, no, that part can't die. I need that part. But the suffering, the cross, the path to crucifixion, to death, it's not the end. The reason we can bear the cross and follow Christ is because the resurrection on the other side. Where all, the, all of the hope, the new us that we believe and know can exist. That life, full and free and happy. On the other side of death. And like Peter, sometimes I feel the need or the desire to rebuke Jesus for the way it is. Why? Why, why do I have to wait? Why have you ordained this thing, this burden? And that is not his doing. That is our doing. The pattern for Christ's life and the pattern for our life are because of that thing which lives within us. The thing which cannot disappear unless it is put to death. It's our sin that sent him to the cross. It's all those mixed up desires, all the idolatry that we find something else besides God. But then when he shows up, we, we just want everything he has to give us. All of that is what makes his cross necessary and what makes our cross necessary. Jesus would go on to teach this to the disciples three times. He would proclaim that he was going to suffer and die and rise and then he would give them this, one of these paradoxes, these oxymorons. If you want to live, you got to die. You want to save your life, you got to lose it. And he was teaching them that his ransom, the ransom that he made for us on the cross, that was going to be the pattern for the disciples beyond. Once he left, The disciples 
still didn't get it. You can remember the last bit, right? Mark's gospel pretty much ends with Peter cutting off a guy's ear, all the disciples scattering, and then Peter kind of sneaking along behind Jesus after denying him. Failed discipleship. Not what it looks like to carry the cross. So which way does your life look? Is that new you taking up the cross? Or is it seeing Christ's cross and saying, eh, maybe not today. Or I'll take this part, but not that part. Peter weeps. And then the resurrection. Then everything that Christ said. His life as a ransom for ours. As the hope of new life. The hope for the new you. A new dawn in his resurrection. But we just have a peace for now. For now, we have enough to bear the cross. We see the light, the resurrection at the end, which he has promised and which he has shown us the way. May the cross be an integral part of your new you this new year. So that all those dreams and those hopes of the life that Christ came to give can be fulfilled. So that in losing your life to the cross, you will find everything you've been looking for in eternity with him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, so often we have misunderstood your path and your plan for our lives. We have denied the cross, and in so doing we have denied our Jesus, our Christ. Heavenly Father, Please give us the strength to bear the cross, to follow Jesus to the life that you have promised. Give us hearts that long to serve, that long to be lowly and humble and to die for our friends. Give us those hearts, Lord, for in them you will show us yourself in living righteous lives, in dying to ourselves, we will see your righteousness. 
and we will rejoice. Set our hearts on the end, Lord. Give us the hope of the resurrection this new year, and may it fill all our lives with joy and give us the hope to serve faithfully every single day. In our Savior's name, we hope and pray. Amen.